you would please take out your Bibles and open them to the book of Psalms, the book of the Psalms, the sort of prayers of the church, um, the prayers of God's people, and turn uh, just really early in it to uh, Psalm chapter 3, or you can open up your bulletins, the Psalms printed in there. Um, If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Um, We stand out of respect for the ultimate speaker, um, God. Uh, who's talking to us now through his word. Um, Pay careful attention to the reading of God's word. Uh, This is Psalm chapter 3. This is a psalm of David when he fled uh, from Absalom, his son. He said this, O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Let me pray for us. God, we uh, hear your words to us, and um, Lord, we just pray that we would find comfort in our hearts in them. Uh, Lord, be with us, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, This... uh, the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, at five of kind of my favorite prayers out of the Psalms. Um, they're going to all look pretty differently um, because they're going to talk about different topics. Uh, but over the next five weeks, we're just going to kind of be meditating through, like, what does it look to have a prayer life that's shaped and formed by the Psalms? Um, this is actually something that... Uh, that I've spent a lot of time meditating on, thinking about, because frankly, uh, as we talked about previously when I was uh, up here talking through the Lord's Prayer, a lot of times I just struggle to pray. Like, I just don't know what to say. Um, yesterday I was uh, called on to pray for our presbytery in the middle of the presbytery meeting, and I was just at a loss for words. Uh, The situation was serious. What do you say? How do you cry out to God? Um, Have you ever been afraid? Like really fearful of something. We live in a time of anxiety. A time of fear. Uh, Whether it's the global pandemic or it's fear over political repercussions or it's fear that's trumped up by the news or it's fear of physical suffering or fear of pain, fear of financial loss, fear of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with my kids? Um, Fear kind of rules our day. Uh, Depression and anxiety are two of the most, uh, two of the highest uh, occurring instances of mental health in our society right now. And it's just kind of spurred on, right? I mean, everywhere you go, it's like you got to be afraid of something. Um, 
There's something that's going to get you. Fear takes so many forms. Um, it expresses itself in so many different ways. From sleepless nights to significant anxiety and depression. Um, from weeping bitterly to anger over the outcome of something. From indigestion to panic attacks. From worry to being paralyzed to just wanting to hide under the blankets for the rest of the day. Fear comes in all sorts of different ways. So where do we look for deliverance? What do we do with our fear? How do we work through it? How do we work through our anxiety? Where do we find the ability to be able to lay down and rest? I don't know about you, um, I'm someone who takes sleeping pills at night. Uh, my mind goes a thousand miles an hour. And when I lay down to go to bed, uh, there's very little that can calm my heart. Where do I go? What do I do? What do I do with my anxiety? But this is not the only uncertainty that we face, like the fears that are going on. I mean, fear what's going to happen to the church. Are we going to find a pastor? Who's going to shepherd our souls? It's not the only fear that we face. As God's people, um, we hear his promise that those who delight in the law of God will be like trees planted by living water, producing fruit in their season. And then we look at our lives and we're like, is this really living water fruit? Are God's promises real? Can I trust him? Can I trust God with the fine china of my life? Is God for me? We look at our own lives and we're like, dang, um, it's pretty hard. <laughs> it's pretty rough right now. And then we look at the enemies of God and they're fat and they're sleek like Psalm 73 says. They're boastful, they're proud, and you're like, God, really? Is there inconsistency in you? How do we find rest? I think this psalm really gives us the words. It gives words to that anxiety. It gives words to that struggle. Um, it gives words to the pain. Um, and so we're going to look at it. We're going to look at this psalm and we're going to think about a mourning psalm. Not mourning like you're crying and sad, but a mourning psalm like you wake up and you're like, I can face my day. So what does that look like? First point, the seeming inconsistency of the promise. There's no deliverance for you in God. Um, look down at your Bibles, verses 1 and 2. O oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him. There's no deliverance for him in God. It's interesting that like the first psalm of this altar comes out and it's like giving us all these great promises about meditating on God's law, living in God's law, and then the, the second psalm comes out and it's all about the king being established on his throne, 
And then the third psalm leads off, and it's like, man, how many are my foes? Um, many are rising up against me. David prays this prayer, expressing sorrow over the trials, the difficulties that he's facing. You see, this psalm narrates for us like this really hard conversation between God and David. As David looks at what's going on in his life, his son is literally trying to kill him. <laughs> He's trying to kick him out. Um, chasing him. David, the promised king, the one who was chosen to reign, to rule, the one who is the forerunner of the Messiah. David is, is, is um, the man after God's own heart is forced out on the run living in the desert and notice the description of his situation i love this um how many are my foes there's a multitude of them they're like rising up for war there's no salvation he's being mocked why do you follow this god why do you trust his promise David uses the same term twice in these opening words to describe the, like the amount of his foes. When he says many, what he's actually saying is there's like a lot of a lot of foes. I mean, if you have kids, you know how that goes, right? Um, kids, like when you're just learning to speak, you don't really know how to say there's many. You just say there's a lot, a lot. Um, and that's what he's saying. Like there's a lot and even more of these foes who are circling around me, rising up for battle. But it's not just battle against his physical person, it's battle against his spirit as well. They're not just ready to kill him, his body, they want to they wanna make a mockery of him. In the meantime, where's your God? And his enemies play on his fears. God's not your God. He's not going to deliver you. So they arise against God, his anointed king. And this rising causes David to fly for fear. Um, where do you fly for fear <laughs> when you're afraid? What's the thing that you go to? You know what I'm talking about when you're having a, just a bad day. You're like, I'm not sure I can continue living like this. And so you go to that place, the place in your heart, the thing around you, to try to find comfort, to try to find rest. Where is that for you? It's important for us just to stop and to say, like, man, the beauty is, is that this psalm is not just about David. Like, this psalm is actually a psalm about the Messiah. It's about Christ, the anointed king. The one, um, the one who had come to his people who should have received him. Received his reign and his rule, and yet his people rejected him. He was despised and rejected. He said, where are you? Where's your God? Come down from the cross. He was surrounded by his enemies. 
But unlike David, and unlike you and me, Jesus never fled. He stayed. Even in his weakest of moments, his moment when he cried out, Father, let this cup pass from me. He stayed. He set his face like flint. So that you and I would know that when we fail to turn to God in the midst of our fears, God fulfilled that command for us. You see, it's real easy when you're afraid, isn't it? When your foes are rising up around you, it's real easy to go have a drink, go jump on the internet, go watch a TV show, go buy something new. It's real easy to do that. And yet Jesus, Jesus looks at you and gives you the words to speak. Second point, faith in the face of life, life's inconsistencies. But you, O Lord, verses 3 and 4, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Um, David begins to reflect on the character of God. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, he starts to think back. And he sees that even though his enemies are rising up and surrounding him, God is a shield around him. Um, even though his enemies would seek to beat him down so that his head would drop, God is his glory and the lifter of his head. Uh, you guys, you guys, I, I, this is so this is so basic. Like I love the the way that this works, right? Um, when you get sad, when you get afraid, when you get overwhelmed by your fear, your face isn't typically up and you aren't typically smiling, right? Uh, typically, your head is down and you're pensive and you're thinking and you're like, how am I going to get out of this? And then God lifts David's head so that he can see, he can see the reality. David turns from reflecting on the character and the strength of his enemies to reflecting on the character and the strength of his God. And notice how the reversal turns, right? There's a multitude of, of foes, and then there's God. There's foes rising, and David fleeing head down, afraid and defeat, to now hope in this God who is his glory. Those who had attempted to discourage David in his soul, to then David crying out to God from no salvation to God answering. But this isn't just a verbal answer. It's an answer that will one day be accompanied by action. That <laughs> will be accompanied by deliverance. David pours his heart out because this isn't a new situation for him. David's been chased by Saul. David's been beat up, run through the desert. And he knows God will deliver him. And just as before with Saul there was exile, then enthronement, so now with Absalom there is exile, but David knows there will be enthronement again. 
But David will return, and he knows it. Because he remembers the character of God. How often do you forget? (laughs) How often do you forget? Forget how often God has saved you, has helped you, has delivered you. See, this is where... This is where we see this beautiful picture of Christ. Christ is the one who entrusted himself to the Father. He didn't forget. Jesus knew the Father's character. Even in the most trying of his times, Christ poured his heart out. He cried out to God, and God answered him and delivered him from the grave. Delivered him from his greatest enemy, death. And God will deliver you too. See, friends, even as David looked to God in the midst of his trouble to see this great reversal that God would bring about in delivering him, we can look to God. We can look to God's work in Christ. We can look to the cross. We can look to the empty tomb. But we don't even have to just look there. We can look to all of the times in our lives and in the lives of the people around us where God has intervened on behalf of his people and we can say, God, it's awfully hard to trust you right now. The enemies are rising up. My enemies are on me. They're pressing in. Anxiety, depression, fear, they're coming. But you'll deliver me. So, third point, how do we get to rest in the midst of danger? I laid down, I woke again. Verses 5 and 6. I laid down and slept, I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. After reflecting on uh, the beautiful character of God, David Uh, David pronounces this amazing fact. I laid down and I fell asleep. And then I woke up. How simple. What what an odd thing to say, right? Um, But if you've ever lost a job, um, if you've ever been sick or been awaiting a difficult diagnosis, sleeping's hard. Waking up sometimes is even harder. Um, I was talking to a brother yesterday um, about chronic pain. Um, Chronic pain is just something, it's a part of me and this brother's life, right? I mean, just overwhelming chronic pain. And, um, And it's like hard to go to sleep, but then finally when you fall asleep, you know, you just don't want to wake up, right? Because you know when you wake up, like, You have a day of difficulty in front of you. A day of pain. David lays down and he sleeps and he wakes up with all of his enemies pressing around. It's important to note that God hasn't changed the situation yet for David. Um, The enemies didn't go away yet. They're still there. They're still pushing in on him. 
your enemies are still there. They're still pushing in on you. And yet David's able to sleep and wake up. How? Because he knows that God is active. That God cares. That God's actively about the work of sustaining him. I wonder if you've ever woken up in the morning and you're like, shoot, I just can't even face today. This is just going to be a hard day. I just don't even want to go about it. David knows, you can know that God has not abandoned you in the midst of your distress, but God is continuing to administer help to you throughout your day, throughout your trials. Many times we, we talk of the dark night of the soul, um, that moment in your life where things are low, but not just low, I mean really low, um, scary low. Where the thoughts that go through your head are even scary to you. We face down our most nagging doubts, worries, and fears. You see, this is where David's at. Everything confronted. From the way he parented, to his call to be the king, to the providence of God in his life, and the care of God in his life. He says, I laid down, and I woke up. And then things get worse. <laughs> Notice that his enemies go from many to many thousands. Um, they go from surrounding him to now being equipped for battle. Like the, the actual words here are like they're drawing up battle lines. Like they're ready to come wage war. They found him. And he says... I'll not, be, I'll not be afraid. How can he get to that spot? <laughs> How can he get there? Last thing. God's promises are fulfilled. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. Uh, so often when I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. Kids, I don't know if you're afraid of the dark, but I used to be afraid of the dark. Um, I, I watched a crazy movie called Gremlins, and it freaked me out for years. I mean, years. It was really bad. Um, I have a really overactive imagination, as you probably know by my preaching. I have a crazy active imagination. And now, even when I watch scary movies, like, it's hard for me to sleep, right? It's like, I'm afraid. Um... For a very long time, I would sleep. Uh, I would sleep with the light on, um, and my parents would come in and they'd pray for me, and um, and they would leave and they'd turn the light off, and all of a sudden, I felt like the room was like closing in on me, like there was something that they didn't see in my room that was going to come and it was going to eat me, and everything was going to be terrible. It was going to be a life of torment. Um, it was horrible, right? Um, and so what I, what I, what would I do, right? Like, what does every kid do in that moment? Uh, I would pull the blanket over my head, um, and just lay there as still as I possibly could, uh, for as long as I possibly could until I was convinced that the monster or whatever was in my room was like kind of forgot about me. 
Um, although I was a giant lump on a bed, uh, it was a little bit odd. And then I would slowly sneak my hand out and flip on the switch. Now, as I look back at that, I'm like, dude, that was so goofy, right? Like, how, 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 like, come on, Joel, sleep in the, pull the covers over your head. Come on, man. But here's the kicker. So often when we see our friends str struggling and gripped with fear, um, when we are walking with them through the midst of the unknown and unknown future, unknown problems, unknown issues, we repeat, we, we repeat phrases like, it's going to be all right. Or things will look up in the morning. Or we, even at times, tritely, like, bring out the promises of God. All things work together for the good. Without actually engaging in their struggle with them. And it's like offering them a blanket to pull over their head. You see, we live in a place, in a world, in a culture where we try for easy fixes. We think that we need to get in there and help this person out. Yeah, get, get busy with them. Help them get out of their funk. But then in all of our fixing and trying and all of our good advice, we miss the person. We miss the struggle. We miss the fear. And we miss pointing them to the one who can actually provide them with deliverance. It's interesting to me that uh, David responds. Like, There's a reason why there's an exclamation point. I don't know if you noticed that. Look down at your Bibles. There's an exclamation point. After arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Um, there's an exclamation point there for a reason. It's because David's telling God what to do. He's saying, this isn't just like, hey, God, if you could help out, that'd be great. This is like, arise, oh Lord, save me. Oh my God, I need you now, right now. Come, deliver me. It's an imperative. He's telling God what to do. I, I, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel really uncomfortable to try to tell God what to do. Um, and yet, here in the Psalms, we have this beautiful help for our prayer life when we're in the midst of fear and we don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it. When all around us, it just looks like a total mess. And there's no way out. Arise, O oh Lord. Save me. God, save me. He calls on the character of the Lord. You strike. You break. You see, this isn't supposed to be like a dainty slap, <laughs> you know, like you see the old dueling movies where they take off their glove and they're like, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a slap that breaks their teeth. 
Um, I don't know if you've ever been slapped very hard, but it hurts. I've never been slapped hard enough to have my teeth broken, but I can imagine I've been punched that hard. That hurts. That doesn't feel good. David's saying, deliver me, God. From my enemies, I need you. I need you now. Then we get this line. To end all of the lines, salvation belongs to our God. Your blessings be on your people. You see, at this, at this point, David breaks into praise. He realizes that in the face of fear, God has given him, in the face of his difficult circumstances, God has promised him deliverance. God has given him deliverance. He's called on God in the midst of his weakness. And then, bam, salvation. funny thing is, David's still living on the run from Absalom. Salvation sometimes doesn't look like all your problems go away. But what it looks like is a settled, confident hope that you serve a God who loves you deeply in the midst of your fear and he has overcome sin, death, and the devil and he will overcome one day whether it's today or it's tomorrow or it's when you're standing in his presence looking at him he will overcome see friends in the midst of your fear psalm 3 gives you words to speak in the middle of the night when you can't sleep in the morning when you wake up and you've got a task list a mile along, Jesus gives you the words to say. Arise. Save me. Salvation belongs to you because you are the God who loved me and saved me. May God make us into a church that prays in the face of our fears, this unlikely simple prayer, and then trust the God who's delivered us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, that while we don't know what to say, you knew what to say. And then you tell us, say this to me, please. Things that feel uncomfortable, things that feel difficult. Lord, we can trust in You because You're the one who has delivered us and we can look and live with hope in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our depression. We can live with hope because You, Lord, have overcome. Settle our hearts in that truth. Amen.